This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 86 of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat. Nick, how's it going this week, buddy? Uh, we might fight through some Wi-Fi issues today because it's midday and everyone at the house is working, but I'm on a hot spot and everything should be okay. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we're going to try our best. There was a little lag there, so we'll definitely see how this goes. If not, I'm sure we'll be able to fight through it. We fought through worse before, but if you're watching the YouTube version of this Yes interview, which we are now putting all of our interviews onto the Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel, but if you're watching this, you notice that we are also being joined right now by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Tom Franklin of the Blue Notes Podcast. Tom, how's it going, buddy? I was beginning to wonder if you were talking about someone else. I could hear someone behind me. You know, you're talking about man, myth, and legend. I mean, I'm flattered. Uh, thanks for the uh, nice intro. I'm doing good, buddy. Good to hear. Good to hear. And, of course, the big news this past week was that Adidas revealed their 31 reverse retro jerseys. And who else would we bring on to the tip of the iceberg to talk about jerseys other than Jersey Jesus himself? I don't know if that's self-proclaimed or somebody else proclaimed it. I would never, ever can, you know, call myself a deity in anything, you know, much less hockey jerseys. Uh, I think I think you can give credit to uh, Mason Dixon from the uh, Habs Nightly podcast. He was the he asked me a question about where can he find like a Montreal Maroons jersey, which you can't actually find the actual jersey anywhere. But I found him like a CCM sweater you know, that was kind of Jersey style, but then he called me Jersey Jesus and that just kind of stuck, you know? So I guess, I guess heavy is the head that wears the crown, I guess. Hey, there it is. I know that was one of the big questions Horwat was coming into this with is yep. where did the Jersey Jesus thing? And I kind of stole it from me. My bad Horwat. That's perfectly okay. No big deal. Um, I mean, shocking abuse of power, <laughs> shocking Dryer. abuse of power and Berlansky way to go. <laughs> hey, what can I yeah, say? It's... I'm power hungry. That's why I moved to DC. Oh, oh God! You're 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 summoning it with troll now. What what what's going on there? Hey, when you move where the jobs are, buddy, and and, and that's what happened. That had to happen. That that's fair. That's fair. I just uh, be beware of trolls. Is you know on on the streets. You know in DC, they're they're out there, and uh, they they don't uh, they don't play around. Yeah, I've I've kept my head on a swivel, especially don't want to get hit when I'm not paying attention. So I just I just want to make sure. You know, you you know he'll give you a dirty cross check to the head as you're rounding the corner into an alley. I mean, that's that that's that's how hockey troll works. Yep, I would expect nothing less from him. But uh, let's dive into the jersey talk right now. And I see behind you, you you have a list for us already set up there behind you on the whiteboard. The first thing we want to talk about is favorite jerseys because let's start it off off well before we get into stuff that kind of makes us upset. So, what are your favorite jerseys from this entire Adidas? selection right now i mean there's there's five in total that i put on kind of a pantheon um two i think in in particular that i just absolutely just am crushing over uh number one is the uh coyote uh the the coyotes retro um Mm -hmm. it's the uh recreation of a fairly rare 
uh, green jersey they had in the late 90s. It was considered kind of an abomination at the time just because it was just very 90s. It had like, uh, it was it was mostly green. It had a uh, kind of like a Cyber Coyote logo on the front. And then at the bottom, it had kind of a motif of a desert. You had cacti, you had cacti, you had sand, and it was just it was just very 90s. It didn't last very long. And I know in the hockey jersey collector markets, uh, which I consider myself kind of a connoisseur. I mean, they call me Jersey Jesus for a reason. It's it's a hard jersey to find, uh, at least you know nowadays. At least finding one in decent condition. Uh, so this one was very highly sought after by collectors. A lot of people were curious how it would turn out. And I think the purple on top instead of the green was an improvement, a big improvement as my cat tries to destroy my uh, head, uh, headphone cord below me. I thought it was a very big improvement over the green. I, I love the purple and then the it still has the desert stuff on the bottom and I think it just looks great. And I went ahead and shot the lock off my wallet to get a Clayton Keller in that, you know, <laughs> from the team store, which I, I have a motto to all of my friends at the hockey podcast network anyone that's watching or listening to tip of the iceberg never buy hockey jerseys at retail you know you will get hosed if you buy directly from the nhl shop um, or the team store um at retail uh you can always find deals on jerseys always this was an exception i paid full price full retail for this and it was worth it um, the other jersey that I got uh, that I, I felt was like on a tier, the same level as the Coyotes, was the Avs, uh, the uh, Nordiques uh, throwback. Um, I personally have a Forsberg in, in in that white, you know, Quebec style. It's easily like a top three jersey in my collection. I have about 100 jerseys. In fact, number 100 is arriving today. It's the Vegas gold jersey. Um, but uh, yeah, the, it's a beautiful jersey and it, it, it photographs nicely. It's going to look a lot better in person. And, and the purple works. The purple works for that kind of style. Uh, see, there you go right there. It's just it's just a beautiful jersey. You got the blue lettering. Um, it's really nice. I'm probably going to get a blank in that, but I may get that customized later into like a Macar or something because look at the numbering. The, the blue numbering is just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So definitely, you know, if you can cop one of those, you know, if you're looking to add to your collection, that's definitely going to be a good one to cop. Um, other ones that I liked, I really liked the uh, Hurricanes uh, Whalers throwback. You know, I'm I'm a nerd for nostalgic hockey. Um, I I you know the Whalers are just you know the Brass Bonanza, just an iconic brand in historic NHL hockey. And the Canes, except for the back collar, there's no mention of Hurricanes on this jersey at all. It is purely Whalers. They got uh, Pucky the Whale on the shoulders. Uh, they got that classic logo, some striping on the bottom, but the overall jersey is gray, which I like. Um, it's it, it's a it's a color that is synonymous with not just the Whalers but the Hurricanes. They both have a bit of silver gray in in in, in their uh, color schemes, uh, but the gray with with that, uh, as you can see there, I think it just works. I think it absolutely works well. Um, so I'm I'm getting one of those for sure. And then, because uh, you know, I'm I'm I, I have to buy these things. Got to collect them all. It's like Pokemon. <laughs> and then, you know, a lot of people. This, one of the most divisive jerseys that came out with this reverse retro was the Anaheim Ducks, the Wild Wing. You know, where you got the uh, duck exploding out from the ice, and another just very '90s abomination style jersey. 
Um, this jersey, you know, the original in the 90s, it's even harder than the Coyotes one to find uh, online anywhere. Um, you can't find it. And if you do, you're paying $500 to $1,000 for it. That's how rare this jersey is. So this one I expect to be in high demand among collectors. And it's a white version. The original one was green uh, of the wild yeah. one. This one's white. Um, I, I tend to avoid white jerseys just because they're stain magnets. Um, but I will go ahead and probably grab one of those. Just, I mean, look at it. It, it is just, it's so nineties. It is, it is, <laughs> it is a, it is a time capsule to a time in our lives when we were watching the power Rangers, uh, <laughs> and, and, and playing with pogs, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, I mean that picture right there with the coyotes. I mean, that is my youth screaming out at me right now. <laughs> um so, so so big wins there yeah and i would as i look at all 31 of these jerseys these two seem like the ones that adidas had the most fun with i mean you look at that ducks jersey that is so far outside of the box of reality right now for the nhl when it comes to jerseys that it's almost not even real it almost felt like a joke whenever that was even rumored to be the logo for the anaheim ducks and then of course you, you look at the Coyotes jersey, and it is a thing of beauty right there. I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I remember seeing that specific one other than in highlights, but I, I absolutely love the purple and the orange in that. It's kind of hearkening to the Phoenix Suns that are also the, their professional brothers in, in arms right there. So I, I didn't mind both of these jerseys, but I'm going to say right now my favorites, I, I do agree with you that those – as, as you're calling them, the uh, the Colorado Nordiques or, or whatever it is. The Abdiques, I've, the I, Abdiques. I, kinda, I kinda call them. Yeah. That's what you I appreciate the yeah. Nordalanche. I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah, there's Nordalanche, there's the Abdiques, and then you have uh the uh the Whaler Canes, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, same thing. Um and then the fifth jersey, and I'm not doing this just to ask Kiss here, but I did like what the pens did bringing back the old word mark and making it making it a white jersey again white jerseys aren't my favorite but that and i'm not really a big fan of word mark jerseys either but the pittsburgh one has always been kind of the exception for me just simply be it's a nostalgia thing for me i grew up you know not just as a blues fan but you know i grew up a big fan of those early 90s penguins teams you know with mario and yager uh ron francis probably being the best second line center in the world uh, you had the Samuelson brothers, uh, Barrasso and Nett, and I know all these names well because I played. They were my go-to team in NHL '94, and <laughs> you know that was that was it. But that word mark was the jersey that they had at that point, so I've always held that jersey in high regard. And you know, it, it's not the most creative of the jerseys that they've done here, obviously, but you know, sometimes when you're doing a historical callback, it, it's okay to just keep it simple. You know, and I thought Pittsburgh, they had a layup here, bringing back the word mark, and they they sunk the layup, basically. Um, when it yeah. comes to when it comes to historical throwbacks, I'll definitely be talking about uh, historical throwbacks that don't work, <clears throat> blues. Um, <laughs> but 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 the Pittsburgh works. Did you see Mario uh, uh, had uh, got his version of that? All that energy he just exuded in that video, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Mario. I mean, how about the subtle location that he decided to take that video right in front of his, his modest trophy case that only has every trophy the NHL could even ever think to bestow upon a player and he has them times six yeah oh very very humble is the Suisse Ancis 
it was, it was, that, it was either that or the outhouse. So, you know. <laughs> Which I'm sure is probably still nicer than my apartment, but. Oh, definitely. I mean, you, you probably live in that thing. Exactly. And it, it, of course, for all of our, our watchers on YouTube, this is the jersey that, of course, the Penguins decided to go with. I mean, you mentioned it pretty perfectly right there. The Pittsburgh diagonally down the middle. It, it isn't the most creative, but it, it is a timeless classic. And it's something that they're doing a really good job with the marketing so far and saying, yes, it was reserved for the old guard. It was reserved for the Lemuse and the Yagers. But now this is another thread that binds our history and our present with Crosby and Malkin and the superstars there. So I think not only is the jersey do I think is nice, but I think that the way that they're marketing it is probably the reason that it is going off without a hitch. And I know, Horwat, you have a little bit of a of a gripe about the reaction that the Penguins fans have had with this. And, oh, yeah. and what was that that you had? If anyone can remember the the days that the Penguins were getting new outdoor jerseys like every other year, this is the jersey they wanted at all times, every year. And we weren't getting it because we were getting that third logo without the triangle on it. Then for some reason this year, for whatever reason, maybe it was the couple athletic articles that were written about it, the opinion of the word marking changed to the RoboPen or the Pigeon, whatever the people want to call it. Now that was the big jersey that we wanted. If this exact jersey came out a year ago to the day, basically, this word mark, we are having the discussion that this is the best jersey in the entire league. But because the opinion changed, people hate it. Granted, there's been a lot of positive discussion about this jersey because it is great and it is still what people wanted, but it is not exactly what we wanted at this time in our lives. Like I said, if this came out a year ago, we're having the discussion of this is exactly what everyone's been asking for for the last four or five years thank god we finally got it it's gonna look great but no now we have this it still looks great it's just not what everyone wanted mm -hmm. yeah and it's not too much of a gripe but it's just a little nuance that i've noticed in pittsburgh <laughs> fandom recently you're you're never gonna make everyone happy especially you're, you're, yep. and you're never gonna make every penguins happy about anything uh, that's one thing i've learned just as a casual observer of your fan base over the years <laughs> um yeah it's it's your your fan base can be pretty divided on stuff and that's that's why not that you know oh yeah and jerseys especially right now in the the dead portion of the off season jerseys that's going to be something very divisive for for any fan base but especially for the Pittsburgh Penguins fan base but but do you do you feel that you know with some of these jerseys that came out you know even the losers that i have you know my board you know behind me here do you think maybe that they some of them may be intentionally bad just to get the discussion going about them you know just so we have something to talk about this offseason that we can keep the nhl in the forefront of our lives even though there's absolutely nothing going on in the league right now maybe but there are some that are just you like the islanders straight up didn't try no like they're just their discussion is well, why didn't you do anything? We're not gonna buy it. Because why not he, the fisherman? You know, bring back Gordon the fisherman. I mean, that, even, it's so easy. Not even the fisherman. You can keep the same logo and just add the wave and change the colors a little bit. It, the issue with the Islanders is that so this whole thing is dropping because teams need money, right? Let's be honest. Yeah. No one's gonna buy the Islanders one. That's the issue there. I mean, yeah, they're a big market already and probably don't need it, but no one is gonna buy that. I mean. There might be a couple people because hardcore collectors and people who love the team are going to have everything. 
But I look at that as you did not try straight up. There is no other way around it. That's kind of a microcosm of the Islanders franchise in general. They're kind of they're kind of like the Minnesota Wild of the East, where they're just boring. You know, they I mean they there is nothing about them that is sexy at all. Their yeah. style of play is boring. Their ownership is boring. Uh, I mean, they I mean, they let their most exciting player go to Toronto, you know, so now they're even more boring. You know, it's it's just it. And they have a boring jersey. Go shocker. Go figure. You know, it's yeah. it's just it, par for the course from the Islanders. Yeah. And it seems like we've kind of shifted over to our least favorite, which is fine. The Islanders literally first on my list because you did nothing. You made it a deeper Navy, as you just mentioned. That's that's basically all they did. And that's kind of the same reason I didn't like the Red Wings one. I mean, sure, you have gray striping on the arms instead of red, but you you didn't do enough. And I get that it's an original six team. You don't want to change too much, but this is your chance to do something. This is your chance to change it up. Even if it's with the script D in the middle, do that same jersey with the script D. Not as many people really care, but the fact that you just basically changed one little nuance of your jersey, it wasn't enough. Yeah, just not not enough at all. And and I think there was a few teams that took some layups. Like for instance, I have the Stars in my bottom five, and you can kind of give them a slight excuse because they just came out with those Chernobyl green, you know, yeah. glow in the dark jerseys, and they probably didn't want to take you know a lot of the luster away from that. Even though I think those jerseys are terrible. Um, I, I, I understand they look better in person, but I just like, I get, I feel like I get cancer just by looking at them. <laughs> the, these on the other hand, I mean, yes, it, it is a throwback to their, you know, late nineties look. Um, but it's just, it, it's colorless. It is yeah. there. I mean, except green, it's just, it doesn't stand out. It doesn't pop. I mean, this might be one of those jerseys that might look, look a little better in person as well. Like I thought the all-star mm -hmm. jerseys from this year. Uh, look better in person than they, than they were photographed. I have three of them. Um, these just are very bleh. I feel like you're not from far. I feel like you're not going to be able to read the word stars or see the outline of the star. You're just going to see a tiny green line and then the big green star. Cause, yeah, these, these, mean, these are like the anti-glow-in-the-dark jerseys. I mean, you, you won't be able to see them, period. <laughs> yeah. Even in the light. Yeah, you'll just see the striping and the numbers and that's it. It's made as an adjustment period for the watchers after they watch the glow in the dark ones. Their eyes need to come back down to reality, so they wear these ones the next game. I mean, like, like imagining playing back-to-back -back games in Dallas, and the first night they wear the glow in the dark jerseys, and you see nothing but green streaks on the ice, and then the next night they come out in these, and you see a bunch of ghosts on the ice. I mean, it's just it, it's it's going to be like you know you know a, a horror movie you know every you know, both nights in in Dallas. Another thing, too, is with jerseys like these, you have to wonder, what does the rest of the uniform look like? Like, what color pants are they getting? Socks, gloves? Because if they do, like, darker Lime green pants... gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Because this with, like, white pants, forget it. You're, it's not going to look good. Trash. And I'm, a, and I'm a fan of white pants. I think some teams, some colors can work with it. This one, you, it's not going to work. Yeah, the, the, if they were green, like like the like the lighter green in these, that might redeem them a little bit. But you're still gonna have the problem with no one can see the stars logo. Yeah, I mean the 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 actual words. So you're just gonna see Dallas and then a big star, and then if you squint really hard, you'll see the team name. That just that's not that doesn't work. And I like that logo a lot too. Yeah, it's I, fine. I like it more than the one they have now. I'll say that. Yeah, it, it, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I've never I've 
I've never ranked Stars jerseys in general that high, <laughs> but they're fine. I mean, they're not offensive. Yeah, I prefer minimalist stuff, so that's why I, I like the new one. The, the, the one, I, I will say, the one saving grace those Glow in the Dark, dark jerseys have is that I do like the logo on those. The Texas, mm-hmm. you know, stayed with the star. That works. It also makes sense because Texas is the Lone Star State. Mm-hmm. Um, if they made that their primary logo for all jerseys, good. That's a good logo. Um, probably they're probably the best logo they've had since they've been to Dallas. But mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see on that. Bransky, I want you to I want you to bring up if you can the Maple Leafs one. Because I yeah, I have a big gripe with a couple of things about this jersey. I thought it was I thought it was one of the better ones. Real oh, uh, I I looked at it and immediately was some some jerseys set such a low bar that it, that's not that high that hard to you know achieve. But I thought Toronto was probably top half. I mean, but let's see, but let's let's see what we're working with here. So what's what for one? I I know one issue that you might have a gripe with is that the N in the Toronto is lowercase. That's not even it. I don't. I didn't even notice that until someone mentioned it, but. My thing is, I think the logo looks freaking massive. Like, there are some of these jerseys where the logo is just taking up the entire thing. That's okay. I don't. I don't I, mind. I don't mind a big. I mean, it's gonna be the only thing with big logos, and especially ones that are pointy like the Leafs are, is that they could be very uncomfortable to wear. Because yeah. you know, you're just you're just gonna be constantly jabbed by the logo if you like bend down to tie your shoes. Yeah. Um, that's that, that's the only issue with them. But sometimes they can make they can they can look great. I mean these these I'm pretty I'm, I'm pretty neutral on them. They're okay. This one I also I mean I don't know what it was, but the model wearing it is wearing a jersey that is eight sizes too big for her. Oh yeah, she's she she's <laughs> probably got two two of her kids inside that jersey. I and mean that like, that's how big it is. Like if if they put a jersey that fit properly on her, I might be thinking differently because this just looks like it's made of wool and it's huge it kind of looks almost looks like an old school retro you know like like you know pre like 1940s jersey where they actually did make Mm -hmm. them out of wool back in the day you're 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 right on that looks like a mitchell and ness style of a jersey yeah and it's just it bugs me i mean i guess if i guess if i see the whole uniform and i see it being used in a game maybe i'll change my mind on it but for now it's one of my bottom five i just i think it's an eye bottom five wow okay wow bottom five there i mean for me in my bottom five and I'm going to bring up both of these, and one you guys might agree with, one you guys might not agree with. I feel like the Rangers forgot to click save their progress after getting done with just the <laughs> yep. logo, and then they ran out of time and just, oh, well, we'll submit it 25% of the way done. That's, I guess we have the Lady Liberty logo, and that's it, but that's fine. That I wish they would have done more in New York with that. And then the Vegas Golden Knights jersey. I don't know why. It's just oh. something about it doesn't hit the mark for me just – I don't like the design. The lining on the bottom of the jersey, I feel like, just misses the mark a little bit. And it's not something that I really – I I expected more from the Vegas Golden Knights. But I guess you, when you're making two new jerseys in one offseason, you you got to get to work. Exactly. And people are going to want to buy the gold one more than that one anyway. So you don't want to – it's kind of the same situation with the stars we're in where you, you know, you come out with this, you know, big, bright new jersey. And, you know, you don't want to take too much away from it um yeah so i'm with you on that i thought the vegas jersey was it was okay it was it was about all they could do though really when you think about it because i mean how i mean there's nothing retro about the vegas golden Knights, so you know they were kind of locked into what they were what they had there um and then the other one the rangers i mean i definitely put those like bottom 10 for me i mean it it felt you know i 
you make an interesting analogy in that it felt like it was very incomplete. I thought it was just lazy, you know, and, and, and it, there was nothing inspiring about it at all, nothing creative about it, you know, which automatically I'll deduct points on just because, I mean, when, you, when you're coming out with special jerseys like this, put some creativity into it. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, don't do like what the Blues did, you know, which which I, I'm going to rant <laughs> about that right now. All So these are the original you know, '90s retro jerseys, which it took mm-hmm. me a long time to come around on. I didn't like them when I when when I was growing up. The Adidas did something to them, and I don't know what it is. I think the red looks better on them now, but I I can accept them. Uh, they're 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 fine. I mean, the collar you know looks kind of the contrasting looks kind of cool. I thought they should have made the reverse retro jerseys for the Blues yellow instead of red. Uh, yellow, yellow would have worked a lot better than the red that they used. I just, I, the, the red does not work for me at all. Whereas yellow, yellow's always been kind of a part of the blues. I mean, even, even early on, their original jerseys were that, you know, light blue winter classic style, but with yellow trim. So, mm-hmm. so the, so there's an argument to be made that we'll just go ahead and use yellow with the blue and then, you know, leave the bottom red or like make the stripes red or something like that. Um, they didn't do that. And basically all they did, and you know, you talk about the Rangers being lazy, whoever decided this was going to be the Jersey for the blues. All they did was they took the bottom part uh, where it was red uh, in Photoshop, right click copy, and then above right click paste. And then (laughs) took the blue from like the blue notes logo, right click copy, and then right click paste below. And I'm an artiste. I have created a beautiful jersey. I've with through my toils and hard work. No, you didn't. You didn't. You were lazy. And not only not only that, but you know, this looks like you know something you can you know like a Burger King employee would wear. I mean, it's it's just it's 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 disgusting. It's, I mean, it, it's not good. In this model photo too, that he is blending into that background with that red. It's. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess if you have a red wall, you can, you know, be camouflaged. I guess. I mean, I, <laughs> I looked at that and immediately just thought, oh, they're the St. Louis Reds now. Yeah, exactly. I, I think Dave Aikman said that they, 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 the Cincinnati Reds have moved to St. Louis, and yeah. that, that's their jersey. You know, that's that's basically what it is. It just, it just doesn't. It just, I hate it. I hate, <laughs> I hate it. I hate it with the power of a thousand suns. They. They had, you know, the Blues have always had. This is the worst jersey the Blues have had, by the way. I will say that. You know, the Blues have always, in my and maybe Homer bias here, but they've always had a great jersey. You know, throughout their entire, you know, team history, they had so many other inspirations they could have worked off, and that that's what they gave us. So, and I guess I, I guess the Blues don't need money this offseason. That's that's fine. <laughs> hey, coming off a cup of about what. 15, 16 months ago, I, I guess they're probably doing half decently where they could make it through the COVID stuff without their reverse retros hitting the mark on, on the market. I mean, they're still a cap team. So, I mean, yeah. that's, you know, they're, they're spending up to the cap. So, I mean, I guess they're, I mean, they're not doing as bad as the Sabres. That <laughs> I'm not sure there's any NHL franchise doing as bad as the Sabres right about. Now. I, I, I think, I think that's a two horse race between them and Ottawa. Ooh. But, but yeah. I, think, I think I think Ottawa's pulled ahead though. Even, least, even though even though Melnick's still insane. At least the Sabers knocked out their reverse retros. I love that yeah. thing. I love that thing. Sabers did yeah. well. I also love Ottawa's though. But it yeah. kind of just seems like a third jersey for their rebrand. So. Yeah, yeah. They were they were kind of put in a the corner there. It was you know, bad timing. Their... That's all that yeah. was. Yeah, that's all that was. Um, I mean, it's it. But it's it's you know, 
taking that aside, I mean, I, I thought the I thought the choice of color and and the layout, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just, it just, yeah, as you said, it just doesn't stand out compared yeah. to their other rebrand. If Ottawa would have done with like the Danny Heatley style, the like the big wave stripe, that would have been better. But I mean, they got crammed into the corner with their rebrand already, so you kind of already took your what you what you really could have done, and now you kind of had to shoot from the hip with the color red. Yeah, exactly. So, by the way, you'll, you'll notice a theme with the teams that are that are in the loser bracket. So, if, if you live within like six hours of the Mississippi River and you're not the Minnesota Wild, <laughs> you done fucked up this this whole thing here. The wing, the wings, lazy. I they there's nothing special about it. The Preds, kind of the same thing. And yeah. also, I'm never gonna rate a Preds jersey that highly just because mustard yellow and just that icky ass yellow doesn't work for me plus fuck the preds and um the blackhawks uh, fuck them too and does, does, does their jersey even have a logo because i mean i all they all they showed when in, in the, the reveal was the back and like, are, they, like he, are they ashamed of their logo and they just said they go okay, we're just, just, okay hide that turn around turn around okay no, no turn around all the way move your hands move your hands move your hands there you go um, um what do i do with my hands i think there might be a reason for that, but, like, I don't know what it is exactly. I mean, yeah, we live in this age where, you know, the Washington football team is a thing. So, I don't know if that's Chicago's response, in a way, to handling that, because they did have a um, statue outside their building that's just the Blackhawks logo get vandalized. So, I mean, I don't know the history of the Blackhawks and the logo and how it portrays um, native americans so i don't know if there is an issue there but that could be part of it i am looking at their listing for the reverse retro on the uh, madhouse team store.com which is their you know official team store and it's it, they, they've got like the old um um minnesota wild style circle logo uh with like an older version of their blackhawk mascot logo like in the middle um it, it's kind of like a it's a bit of a retro look um but it's all black with like a couple red stripes and then like red shoulders with white trim it looks very it, it still looks very plain and the the logo looks like it's you know they someone said hey make this retro and that we have no concept of retro and they this is what they came up with it just it, it looks very blah do you think that they wanted to do the the black and white ones, but then they realized they already did that. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, well, not only that, but like, how many winter classics have they been in yeah. where they've had to make yeah. special jerseys? I mean, the well's got to be pretty damn dry for Blackhawks jersey creativity, especially because they use the same jersey. Like they've had the same jersey since the '30s, basically. So you and, really... yeah, and and also the Blackhawks seem like a fan base where they would not appreciate you being too adventurous. <laughs> with their with 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 their jersey, I mean, it, it's they're very very much a heritage, you know, type of a yeah. type of a fan base. So they 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 wouldn't appreciate the creativity, I don't think. But that's okay because Blackhawks fans are kind of whiny anyway. So it's you know, <laughs> it, yeah. By the way, Horwood, I don't think we have any room to talk about somebody overusing Winter Classic ideas. <laughs> but we have never used. But we have never used this logo. Or the other one. Like, we still have stuff we can do. And we have an entire laundry list of blue jerseys we could have done. 
Like we at least have options that we have never explored. I mean, and you it, haven't brought back you haven't brought back RoboPen since the late '90s. I don't think there might be a reason for that that we're not. Because it's not because it's not very good. Oh, it's it's amazing. It's beautiful now. Like what did I say? This year, the opinion of it changed. Yeah, um, I I don't have a strong opinion on the RoboPen. I mean, some people love it, some people hate it. I just like, eh. It's yeah. just it is just oh okay that's that's late '90s penguins okay yeah. <laughs> Before we move on from. Jersey talk to get into the actual St. Louis Blues offseason. Uh, I do want to just submit one more thing for your both of your approvals here. I don't want to get too upset or too happy at some of these jerseys because as what happens with every jersey, they could look completely different once they're on the ice. And you could either love them more or the things that you loved, they could look awful on the ice. So that's where I'm trying to hold, reserve some criticism of some of these jerseys because once they get on the ice... I mean, Alexi Lafreniere in that Lady Liberty might look chef's kiss, but we don't know, and we won't know until January, February. It's all about what the pants and socks look like and the gloves. I'm pretty sure Lafreniere could wear a uh, potato sack yeah. on the ice, and Rangers fans would still love him, so it's fine. <laughs> I think Berlansky just froze up on us. Wow. Um, there he is. Coming? Is he back? That's weird. I'm the, this is literally the only device on my Wi-Fi, so if that's happening, I have to contact my provider. But as we move on here from Jersey Talk and to the St. Louis Blues Talk, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, of course, we still have Tom Franklin with us on the other side talking St. Louis Blues. We'll be right back. This episode of The Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, episode 86 here on the Hockey Podcast podcast network we are still joined by as i mentioned earlier the man the myth the legend tom franklin of the blue notes podcast check out the blue notes podcast anywhere you get your podcast from new episodes every monday and once season two begins it will be every monday and thursday so make sure you tune in to those thursday episodes as well tommy we're gonna we're gonna jump right in to st louis blues talk and the only way to start off that discussion for you guys is is the fact that your offseason was headlined by the Alex Petrangelo saga, at least to start. Uh, I mean, what happened between the Blues and Petro? Because it seemed as if at the beginning of this saga, they might have been able to work something out. But as time progressed, just talks broke down. And, and now you see Petrangelo as a member of the Vegas Golden Knights. 
Well, it's it's a complicated situation and a situation where we don't have the full facts as to what went on behind the scenes. And that's partly because it's neither of their styles to like negotiate in the media. You know, Doug Armstrong, you know, is, is a guy that plays his cars close to the vest. He, you know, doesn't really like to talk about, you know, you know, acquisitions and free agents and stuff like that in the media. And then Petrangelo, he's also kind of a private person as well. And, you know, he's he, he didn't want to get that on the media as well. So there's a lot we don't know about what happened. But what we what we do know, or at least have an inkling of, is that Doug Armstrong did not want to give Alex Petrangelo a no-movement clause. It, it, and he was actually quoted by the Athletics' Jeremy Rutherford as saying that no-movement clauses give a player more power than the owner. Which, you know, when you think about it, he's not off the mark. Um, he also did not, did not want to give Alex Petrangelo a signing bonus. You know, Petrangelo wanted to have some protection, you know, against the buyout later on in his career. And, of course, that's important for the Blues because uh, the Blues could have given Petrangelo an eight-year deal uh, as opposed to everyone else giving him a seven-year deal. So that was also kind of looming in the balance as well. Um, we also know that there was a little bit of friction between Doug Armstrong and Petrangelo's agency group. Uh, the two kind of clashed and never really seemed to get on the same page. And I, I think there, there was a couple other motivating factors in that. Number one, I really do think Petrangelo in the end wanted to explore for the first time in his career. I mean, he had been a member of the Blues organization from day one You know, of his career. He was drafted by the Blues um in the year that was the the, the drew dowdy draft and i think uh had been went that year as well it was a really good year for defensemen prospects and they all just about all of them hit i think except except bogosian um but yeah petro was a blue his entire career this was his first this was his chance to get paid like big time in his career he's you know gonna be i think he's going to be 30 when the season starts and so he was still young enough to where that a team would in theory you know, maybe give him, like, you know, even like a Panarin money, you know, for instance, mm-hmm. if all things were normal, which, you know, things obviously are not normal. Um, so he he went into the offseason anyway. I think he and his agency group, he wanted to explore. And his agency group, I, I feel like they, they, they were on a mission to find the one team willing to throw the Brinks truck at, at Alex Bertrangelo. Just to kind of prove a point, you know, because I, because again, I felt there was a, you can kind of feel there was a lot of malice between Armstrong and Petro's agents, and so they found the Las Vegas, the, the Vegas Golden Knights. And if you're a player like Petrangelo, you can't, you know, really blame him for being attracted to Vegas because you have a good team, you have a rabid fan base, an adoring fan base, um, even, and no state income tax in Nevada. So, you know, you have all these things luring you to Vegas. It, it doesn't get cold. I think it snowed once ever in Vegas, and that was like an apocalyptic event. Uh, so there's, there's, there was a lot drawn. I can see the attraction for Petrangelo. And, and so it, it's, it, while, it, while it hurts to lose Petrangelo, I mean, he was such a part, a big part of who the Blues were. Um, I feel that, I, I want I give I still give Doug Armstrong at least an A for how he handled that. Not just maybe not so much for the negotiations, but for the fact that he did not let Petrangelo hold the team hostage this free agency and acted before Petrangelo made his decision to sign Tory Krug. That blew at least my mind whenever I saw that. I was like, well, 
I guess they I guess they don't want to wait for Alex Petrangelo to make up his mind. They wanted to go out and make sure that they were taken care of first. So good on Armstrong for being able to put the team before the player. And even though it's somebody that was as important as Petrangelo was to St. Louis. And it's and Tory Crew came out of nowhere for I think almost every Blues fan. I mean, if you were saying going into this offseason saying, oh, the Blues are going to be in on Tory Krug, you're either Doug Armstrong or a liar, basically. <laughs> I mean, no one expected that. They were expecting that they were going to do something, you know, try to get something done with Petrangelo, or maybe they, like, you know, maybe find someone, like, further down the down the totem pole free agency. Like, maybe they bring back Kevin Shattenkirk, you know, for instance. You know, that was a uh, name being bandied around a lot. But uh, when Tory Krug, that, that signing happened, it shocked a lot of people because, and, and, and it sent a message right away that Armstrong was not going to be hamstrung by Pet- Petrangelo. And, you know, the thing with Tory Krug, and I think a lot of Blues fans are, are learning this, you know, he's not a big guy. He's only 5'9", 175, but he plays bigger. He's very tenacious. He, you know, maybe not be, he might not be as strong defensively as Petrangelo was, but he's not useless either in his own zone. And he brings a lot uh, as far as uh, being a puck-moving defenseman and an offensive threat that Petrangelo had. I mean, he's, he's always going to be kind of Petrangelo light, you know, for the Blues. He's, he's, not, he's not the same level. But with the Blues situation at defense, I mean, with Petrangelo gone, Pareko slides up to be the number one defenseman on the team. You have Krug in the fold now. Vince Dunn's probably ready to take a step forward. You brought back Scandella, who is a very steady def- uh, veteran defenseman. Um, you still, unfortunately, have Justin Falk, um, who uh, you're hoping that maybe now that Petrangelo is out of the way and now that Falk might actually have a set role with the team, you know, unlike, you know, last year where he really didn't, maybe he settles in finally and becomes, you know, maybe not completely a financial albatross. Uh, and then you have some, and then you have some younger guys coming up for the Blues as well. So it's it's you know while like I said, losing Petrangelo hurts in the grand scheme of things, the Blues will be fine. Well, where it also leaves the Blues is without a captain. Who is the next captain of the St. Louis Blues? If you if you had to venture a guess, and will that happen prior to puck drop, or will that be something that happens a little bit later during the season, or maybe even not even all at all this season? If I had a mortgage to bet, I would bet it all on Ryan O'Reilly being the next uh, captain for the Blues. Um, I don't know when that happens. I've, I've, they've really not. There's really been nothing from the Blues camp about when or if that's going to happen. But of all the options, O'Reilly's the best one. He has been. He has proved himself to be an absolute consummate professional, uh, lead by example type. He's always the first one in, last one out. Um, he, in his style of play is just, I, he's, he's, he's a selkie contender every year. He does a lot of little things. Well, he's a great, he's a great face-off guy, um, a fantastic teammate. Everyone loves him. Um, he, of course, it, it not just, it also completes a redemption story from him because of his escape from Buffalo and how he lost his smile, you know? And, you know, I think there was some people wondering if O'Reilly was just a flake, you know, because he kind of, you know, forced himself out of Colorado as well. Um, but he's, you know, his level of maturity is is way up there, you know, just based on what I've seen. And he's pro- he's got to be the leading contender to be the next captain. You could have said Tarasenko maybe before his injury, 
Um, I always thought that Tarasenko as a captain was dubious at best. I mean, he's not, he's, he, he's developed into an okay leader, but I don't think he's, he's not Petrangelo. He's not a Ron Francis type of a personality. I mean, he just, he just isn't, um, you know, your other option might've been like, do you maybe put on Colton Pareko because he's been with the team for a while. I think it's a little early for him on that. Uh, I think they want him to prove that he can be the number one defenseman in St. Louis. That's a lot to put on him. Um, and then Alex Steen would have been the other veteran option, and he's probably done. I mean, he's got a knee injury that he uh, uh, suffered during the playoffs, and they've been kind of hush-hush about it. But the thought is is that he and his $5.75 million cap are going to be put on Pup, basically, and he's going to be done for the year kind of like a – um, you know, kind of like a Zetterberg type of a deal where he just sits on IR all year. He's got one year left and then rides off into the sunset quietly. So it's, it's of all the options, it's got to be O'Reilly. So the Blues are a team that, you know, prospect wise, I don't know much about. And you mentioned that um, a way to replace Petrangelo might be to start digging from there. But like I mentioned, I don't know much about their prospects. Um, or their prospect core, but who are some of the top guys to look out for going future with this with this team? Well, the cupboard's definitely been rendered a little bare than it's been, you know, just because the Blues draft so low in the first round, and they've also traded away a lot of their first rounders in recent years. Uh, they traded two, for instance, to get Braden Shen, although part of that was also getting Yuri Latera's contract off the books. Um, so they've they've they, they've been, and then they traded a first in the Ryan O'Reilly deal. And so even though they're late first round picks, when you're dealing those first round picks away, it's, you know, you're, you're kind of handcuffing your ability to replenish your farm because, you know, once you start getting out of the second round, finding good prospects is very hard to find. That's just, you know, that's just historically been proven. Um, I mean, the blues did hit with Sammy Blay, who was a six rounder, you know, a few years ago, but you know, those are diamonds in the rough. Um, so right now, I mean, the blues uh, in terms of forwards, um, you know, Cairo, uh, Jordan Cairo has been their kind of top wing prospect for the past couple of years. I feel he's basically ready to graduate into a full-time NHL role now. And I think with, especially with Tarasenko out, he's going to be called on to be probably a middle six right winger for him. Um, so he's up. Klim Kostin, you know, the, the Russian power forward um, that the Blues actually got uh, from, wait, what was, what was that deal again? Oh, Ryan Reeves <laughs> and Oscar mm-hmm. Sundquist, too. Um, yeah, thanks for that, by the way. Um, Kostin <laughs> is, Kostin's taken a little bit to adjust to North American hockey, um, but, this, but the feeling with him is that he'd be ready for a bottom six role, maybe, if there's one, if one opens up. Um, but they're kind of taking their time with Costin as well. That's really it for the like forwards, though. Their forward prospects it, prospects are kind of barren. They drafted Jake Neighbors in the first round, who's you know another kind of power forward, energy type of guy. May not be a you know top six guy, but might be mid to bottom six, you know, energy winger for him. Wasn't the sexiest pick, but I think Blues fans will like him once he gets going. But he's a couple years away. Defensemen, they have Scotty Prunovich, who was the Hobie Baker Award winner this past season out of uh, Minnesota Duluth. Uh, he's a left-handed, you know, kind of a Tory Krug type of a defenseman. He's small, but he's a really good puck mover, and he's very tenacious. I think they're going to give him at least a year in uh, Springfield, their AHL affiliate, to uh, kind of, you know, warm up to the pro game a little bit. Um, their one def- other defenseman I feel is NHL ready is a guy named Nico McCullough. 
who is a big six foot four, 220 pound finish, you know, left-handed bruiser type of a guy. Um, he could compete for NHL minutes this year. And really their strength in prospects is actually goaltending because they have, they have two really interesting guys. They have Joel Hofer, who was the star of Canada in the world juniors this past year. And he's coming along really nicely. And then they have a guy named Colton Ellis who is playing in uh, the queue uh, right now. And actually I think he was just named uh, like a player of the week for them, you know, just as, you know, like within the past couple of weeks. Um, so if Biddington, you know, is not, is not the guy long-term, you got a couple options there, although they're probably still a couple years out. And one of their other goaltending prospects is going to be the backup this year. And that's Billy Huso, who is a uh, Finnish goaltender was kind of the heir apparent for a couple of years, even, even before Bennington, you know, became a thing. Uh, but because Huso was hurt, they called up Bennington when uh, they punted Chad Johnson down the river and the rest is history. So, you know, Bennington kind of passed up Huso, and now Huso is going to be Bennington's backup. So we'll see how that goes, but uh, not a lot of elite prospects, but mm -hmm. contributing prospects. Well, I will say you, you're a, uh answering questions before you before we can ask them because i was going to ask about the uh backup goalie situation behind bennington um so it's is it looking like Ville huso is going to be the guy for this season and then as the seasons progress the other names you mentioned are coming up i can tell you that's who they want to be the backup and i think they're going to give him every chance to be the backup he signed a one-way deal uh last year so he's you know he, he's going to be up regardless if he falters the only other real NHL-ready option they have is John Gillies, who they signed. Uh, he was with Calgary for the past few years, and I think at one point was considered to be their next guy. I think he and Riddick kind of came up at the same time. And um, Gillies is, you know, he's a, he's a two-way contract, and he'll probably primarily be, you know, the top guy in Springfield this year. But, um, yeah, they're going to give Huso basically every chance to make or break himself this year. And they, they kind of need to with Huso because he's already 25 years old. They've put a lot of time and energy into letting him, you know, develop. And now it's kind of, it's kind of shit or get off the pot time with, with Ville Huso. They, they, they need to see what they have in him. And the only way you're going to, the only way you're going to do that is by giving him NHL minutes. Yeah, of course. And I mean, the whole reason that you have to have that conversation is because, Armstrong decided to trade Jake Allen to the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, it kind of reinforced the commitment to Jordan Bennington after an abysmal playoff performance in the Edmonton bubble. So to you, should this team be worried at all about their goaltending? Or do you think Bennington is going to be able to bounce back and find the form that he had during the bulk majority of last year's regular season? I, I'm of the belief that Bennington faltered a little bit this past season as a couple reasons. Number one, you had the Stanley Cup offseason, you know, where it was just a party all the time, party all the time, like the Eddie Murphy song. <laughs> and so there was a bit of, I think with him, there was a hangover effect. Not Maybe not so much the team, but with him, there was that issue. Uh, it was also his, like, really first chance to be the number one guy, like, ever since he was drafted. Because he was kind of, you know, turned into persona non grata you know, for just whatever reason, you know, not long after he was drafted and he would just kind of floated around a little bit. He actually played a year in Providence uh, for the Bruins um, just because the blues didn't have a spot for him. That's kind of how forgotten he was. Um, he's, 
you know, he, he's got one year left at 4.3 mil. I, he's going to get every chance to be the number one guy. Absolutely. Um, with the shortened season, you know, maybe that helps him out a little bit because it was very obvious, like around December and January that he was tired. He was, he was carrying a lot of the load. They, the blues did not trust Jake Allen to start in the, this year. They, they, you know, despite what every, you know, Craig Ruby told me personally a couple of times that, you know, you know, Jake Allen's been, he's not the issue, you know, he's, he's always going to stick up for his goalies. That That's fair. But I know there was some major trust issues with Jake Allen just because he's shaky, Jakey, you know, that's, that's, that he was, he, he, had, he, he had the yips there, there, there's something mentally with Jake Allen that, you know, it, when he was down, he was way down. I mean, he was just, he was, he was not good, but funny thing happened is that you know in the limited chances that jake allen got he did good he was one of the better nhl goalies you know you know because the and i think with him it was just because the expectation was off you know jake you know i don't think jake relished being the number one goalie i think he always needed kind of someone there to challenge him a little bit or or at the very least you know be a you know be a very good backup kind of a kind of a similar issue i felt that yaroslav halak had in st louis you know Halak, you know, led the Canadians in that miracle run. Um, but when he became the number one goalie in St. Louis, he too got the yips a little bit. I think he just he some some goaltenders don't like having that weight on their backs, you know. So that's I, I think that was the issue with Jake Allen. And, you know, credit, you know, Jake Allen's a reason why the Blues ended up number one in the West again, you know, because you know, when Bennington was faltering, Allen was there to kind of pick up the slack. Um, and I think Allen, in a lot of ways, redeemed himself in the eyes of Blues fans because he was public enemy number one for the longest time in St. Louis among among the Blues roster. I mean, they got they were so tired of him getting the yips and just letting in soft softies everywhere. I mean, I'm sure you can relate with you know Matt Murray's issues in recent years and how some Penguins fans have treated him. I mean, that was kind of Jake Allen for us. Um, I think he's in a good situation in Montreal where, you know, he's definitely not the one in Montreal. It's Carey Price. Yeah. Um, he, he, he gets to caddy one of the best goalies in the league. Um, so it's, and, and not only that, but, you know, he's a Canadian, you know, I think Jake's also, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a Quebec kid, but I think he's, you know, like, like a North of Toronto guy. So, I mean, I, I think it just, I, I think it worked out the best for everyone you know, for Jake to get a new, you know, change of scenery, but also for the Blues to get his big contract off the books. And that's why, that's a big reason why the Blues were able to sign Tory Krug at all. Mm-hmm. Well, you're listening to the Tip of the Iceberg episode 86 here, being joined by Tom Franklin of the Blue Notes pod. Thank you again for, for joining us. We got a couple more questions here before we let you go, but we really appreciate you coming on and, and talking jerseys with us in the first segment, now talking Blues with us in the second segment. Uh, definitely the longest the most, you're the first guest we've had on multiple segments in one show, so I mean it's definitely well worth it for Jersey Jesus. But uh, like I said, a couple questions left here. Uh, <laughs> a guy you mentioned earlier, Tom Vince Dunn, he's still at RFA right now, but according to Cap Friendly, you have zero cap space. But so something's got to give there. What's it gonna be? Well, what'll it give is Tarasenko and Steen going on LTIR is basically okay. that that's the situation there that'll free up the money for uh for vince dunn um vince dunn i mean he he's i, I had jay fresh on uh you know a couple weeks ago and of course he's 
you know, one of the rising, you know, hockey analytics stars on Twitter. And um, one thing that he kind of pointed out is, you know, Vince Dunn's an analytics darling. He, you know, does a lot of good. And, and, he, and he, see, he also passes the eye test as well, because when you see him on the ice, I mean, he is a very uh, deadly offensive, you know, you know, talent, you know, you can, I see, I see a little bit of like Sergey Gonchar in him basically, you know, in that, you know, he can at times, you know, just absolutely rip him. And he's a guy that I could see scoring 15 goals, you know, easily every single season. He's got a really good shot. He's a good playmaker. The problem with Vince Dunn, and it, I don't know if it's so much him. Well, number one, Dunn's not the greatest in his own end. He's got some deficiencies, you know, he's got a bit of a, uh, I don't think he's like Phil Housley bad on his own end, but uh, he's at this point he's not much better. Although he is kind of uh, ornery, you know, he'll 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 drop the mitts on you now every now and then. Uh, but Dunn, they've kind of protected him, and they've only given him really only bottom pairing minutes ever. Like his um, his quality of competition, you know, ranking with Jay Fresh was like nine percent. You know, and that basically means he's not facing any top liners at all whatsoever. He's only getting, you know, the, you know, third or fourth line, you know, opponents at best. So the question with Dunn is how does he do with an expanded role? Now with Krug in the, in, in the fold and Scandella still there, he may still be a third pairing guy. And, you know, you mentioned his restricted free agent status. He's a guy I don't see getting much more than two or three million dollars in arbitration or even through, you know, a new deal. I mean, partly because there's still a bit of that unprovenness with Vince Dunn. You see the potential when he's on the ice. Um, it's just I feel he needs an opportunity to step up and he just hasn't really gotten that in St. Louis. Um, so he's he's definitely a guy that's interesting to watch. And I thought. I, a guy that I felt that if the Blues were somehow able to bring back Petrangelo would have been on his way out because, you know, just, just because of his RFA status and the fact they need to accommodate Petro somehow. Um, and I know there was, you know, it was funny, you know, during the playoffs, Dunn had a couple lapses and I kind of brought up the idea of, okay, who wants Vince Dunn this offseason? You know, we'll we'll trade him to you for, you know, give us some prospects and picks. And I I know our friend Andy Hammond at the Broadway Boys was like all over that. You know, he like <laughs> and, and actually not just him, but a couple Rangers fans were, were like salivating over the idea of getting Vince Dunn. So I think if the Blues had dealt Vince Dunn, they would have gotten something pretty nice for him. But the fact that he hasn't been dealt and probably won't be dealt um means they still have confidence in him. It's just it's just a matter of when do you fully pull the trigger on him and who do you pair him with? Because with his defensive issues, you know, you kind of need someone that's strong on, on his own end to pair him up with. Maybe that's Pareko down the road, but uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see how that works out this year. Okay. So Tom, I'm switching up my last question entirely because I just got sent a tweet uh, that was posted by Greg Wyshynski an hour ago. Um, that I've already dropped in the Slack and conversations already starting. How would you feel about the Penguins and the Blues being in the same division this season? Oh, oh they're talking about the um, like like the like the bubble divisions again, like the All Canada division. Let's see here. I want to I want to let me pull this up here because this, this might be the what what I was what was rumored before here. Um, oh, I got to log into ESPN Plus. Never mind. Um, All I know is that it's. It's also splitting up the Penguins from Philadelphia and Washington. Oh. Okay, so okay, yeah, so they do have the All Canada division, from what I can tell. Yeah. 
And then the Blues would be in the Central, the new Central, with Chicago, Columbus, Detroit. Yay, we get to beat up on Detroit. Florida, <laughs> Nashville, Pittsburgh, uh, the Blues, and Tampa Bay line. That's basically kind of what I had, what I had heard earlier. And you know what? Um, bring it on. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I mean, I always love seeing, you know, two really good teams go at it on the ice. I mean, even though... Like, for instance, like last season, every time the Blues and Avalanche played, it felt like two Warriors at the top of their game going at it, you know, in the Coliseum floor. You know, it was it was it was it was a beautiful hockey to watch, even though it made me nervous because the Avalanche scare me. Um, But, you know, I think, you know, Blues Penguins a few times a year. I mean, yeah, I mean, that'd be fun. Um, Absolutely. I mean, and, and plus, if we do have fans in the stands this year, you know, I don't know if the rate St. Louis is going, they, they might put the kibosh on that right away. But, um, you know, Same. Sydney, I mean, bringing Sidney Crosby and Malkin into town for a few games. I mean, you can probably jack the prices up a little bit for that and get people to pay for that. Absolutely. I'm just looking at this and wondering, how are you splitting the Penguins and Flyers in Washington? It's, I mean, I don't know how many other rivalries are getting split up by this, but I know that's a big one. That's a big two, obviously for Pittsburgh. That's, splitting those up is uh almost a heartbreaker (laughs) yeah but it's like when you look at the east division it's kind of hard to you know like like do you move carolina into the central maybe and and, and trade carolina for pittsburgh i would say buff i would say buffalo maybe aren't they up there in the east yeah yeah they're they're in the east but then i mean you then you got like you got the new york state connection i guess with with the rangers and the islanders so i guess i mean that's not only that but you know look at the east and think of where they everyone's geographically yeah except for carolina you can pretty much take a bus to you know every single game i mean they're they're gonna save on some some uh you know airfare uh this year that's for sure yeah. Um, and then in the West, I mean, you have, uh, let's see, where, where did they, oh, Winnipeg's in the old Canada division, um, <laughs> Colorado and oh, Minnesota gets really screwed in the West Ooh, yeah. because they're going to be, you know, they're going to be flying repeatedly to California and Vegas. Um, yeah, they get kind of bone on that one, but there's really, I can't see an alternative for Minnesota, honestly, with the yeah, way, un- unless they annex Minnesota into Canada, that's about it really. Ooh. Which I don't think I don't think Minnesotans would appreciate. No, no, not at all. I mean, you could always also switch, and it, at this point, it, it screws over the Blues. If you put the Blues in that West Division and put Minnesota in that Central Division, because then they're closer to Chicago, to Columbus, and stuff like that. It, it's all it, it's all microcosms of miles. There, you're going to screw somebody over. Yeah, and it's like, and if you do that, then you're separating St. Louis from Chicago and Nashville, our two biggest rivals there. So it's kind of like, you know, I guess it's six of one, half dozen of the other. Do you fuck over St. Louis or do you fuck over Pittsburgh? And I guess they chose fuck you, Pittsburgh, which is kind of unfortunate (laughs) for you guys. I mean, that's... Hey, you know, all the rumors that the NHL babies us can can apparently fuck right off now <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but i but just looking at those divisions i mean i i really think they 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 should swap carolina and pittsburgh i think because you know you, i mean carolina would still have tampa and you know mm-hmm. florida and you know i i think they're you know more rivals with them than they would be like a washington for instance i mean i i guess i guess washington would be would be a rival for them but um yeah i mean just and, and not only that but as you said it splits up 
Pittsburgh from Philly. You just you, yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. You can't do that. I'll I'll take care. I'll I'll take them jerks over you guys. <laughs> there you go, buddy. Well, Tom, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate all the time that you've given us today. Um, let us know where the folks can find you on social media and let us know what's coming up on Blue Notes. Well, we keep it simple. We are at Blue Notes Pod on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Hopefully someday YouTube, although we don't have enough followers on YouTube to get our own custom URL, so you have to just find us on YouTube. Uh, I wish you luck on that with the way YouTube mm-hmm. makes it out to be. Um, but um, we are we are on you know Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course wherever you get your podcast from to search for Blue Notes, and you can find us uh, that way. Just look for the uh, the Blues and the Arch logo. Um, as far as what we have, I mean, this whole month we've been running down our top five most stomach turning moments in blues history. <laughs> um, and, uh, we're, we're doing that because, uh, my co-host Wags just got over stomach surgery himself. So we just thought it would Ooh. thematically work. And also as a blues fan, you, you, we have had plenty of reasons to cry and moan and, um, just feel sad about life, you know, just in the 52 plus years of their existence. So, we had to pick five that we can, you know, say are, are, are the worst. And uh, we, uh, so far, we have uh, covered um, the near move to Saskatoon was number five, um, which hockey, which NHL and Saskatoon, that's ridiculous. And thankfully, the NHL decided that's ridiculous, too, and they voted it down. Um, we had uh, the Blues trading Chris Pronger in the mid-2000s. That was an awful move for many reasons. And uh, just this past week, we had uh, the Scott Stevens saga in St. Louis, which a lot of people forget Scott Stevens was a blue for a year. And the reason he was a blue and the reason he was not a blue, very complicated. It took us about an hour and a half this past Sunday just to explain all of that <laughs> uh, and how, how he ended up a devil and how Brendan Shanahan ended up a blue. It, it's it's insane. Just, just follow us on uh, just look for us wherever you get your podcast from we'll try to explain as as best as we can and then we have number two our number two moment coming up uh this uh this uh this coming episode and i'll give you guys in fact i'll go and spoil it for you guys because uh this is it deals with a coach that i believe spent some time with pittsburgh if i'm not mistaken uh one mike keenan i don't know how pittsburgh views mike keenan um st louisans cannot fucking stand that man (laughs) he did so much to wreck this team in the mid 90s and we have to talk about it all this sunday and purge our souls of one iron mike keenan (laughs) well there you have it folks tune in to monday's episode i guess today when this drops the same day tune into the episode of blue notes to hear that entire saga and and backdate yourselves and listen to the last couple episodes of blue notes to hear Stomach-turning moments number five through number three of St. Louis Blues history. Tom, once again, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. And, uh, hey, go Blues. Yeah, let's go Blues. Oh, And, by the way, I, I want to correct myself. I Keenan did not spend time with the Penguins, but he mm-hmm. was – his first coaching job in the NHL was with the Flyers. Ooh. I was about to say. Well, that, that's that's I where I got crossed up. Here. That's yeah. where I got crossed up. My mea culpa. Try not to make that mistake because it, it hurts our souls. I, I, I feel like, I feel like you know, I, you can strip the Jersey Jesus title for me, you know, and then, and, and then in Pittsburgh, I'll just be Jersey Diablo, I guess, because I just mixed up a penguin and a flyer. So there you go. 
Hey, well, I'll never strip it from you, buddy. Thank you, bud. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Hey, hockey fans. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of like, <laughs> you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. I get a phone call. He's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. I started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he should have checked over here. And then <laughs> I, I looked down at my feet. Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. Well, we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, episode 86. Again, huge thank you goes out to Tom for joining us on both of the first two segments, talking a little bit about the reverse retro jerseys and a nice quick conversation about the St. Louis Blues. And I also hope you guys enjoyed that quick network show advertisement of the House of Hockey podcast. Of course, check them out anywhere you get your podcast from. New episodes for them on Tuesdays, as you just heard. So check out the House of Hockey podcast on social media and anywhere you get your podcast from. But we are going to finish off this episode as we usually do on our one episode a week schedule with the pens poll and the shoutouts and callouts. Of course, I say that because season two is right around the corner for the Hockey Podcast Network. Once the calendar hits December, we will be going to two episodes a week. That is one on Monday, as we have been doing, and we'll also release an episode on Thursday. So if you enjoy the Pens poll, that will be on our Monday iterations. If you enjoy the shoutouts and callout segments, those are going to be on our Wednesday iterations. So just a little bit of a mix up there and a little bit of a change heading into season two. Be a lot of fun. Hey, got got uh, more time to discuss things. Uh with hopefully more news coming soon exactly yeah hopefully some something happens at some point here and and with new, more news and with more content opportunities comes more guests so we have as we had tom on this week we will have matt Venzel of the pittsburgh post gazette out next monday and then the following week yeah we have them stacked deep right now for interviews the following week after that which would be i believe december 7th we're going to have the Caps Chirp Boys on. Hockey Troll and Polly Cupcakes joined us for about 45 minutes to an hour just talking all things Caps and also all things just randomly. I think we get into golf that yep. at, in that interview as well. So stay tuned for all of that. That's all coming down the pike for the tip of the iceberg. But let's get into our Pens poll this week, of course. The news has been dominated by the Adidas Reverse Retros. So our poll 
signified that as well. The Pens dropped their Adidas reverse retro jerseys. The question was, simply, what does everyone think? Now, Horwat, you already said what you, you thought about him. What did you think most of Penn's Twitter was going to say here? All right, without looking back at the poll, I'm going to go with a very... What were the middle options again? It was either, I like them, I hate them, they're meh, or they could have been better. Oh, uh, They're meh, because that's quite literally what uh, one of our guests had on his poll reaction. <laughs> that's what you thought Penn's Twitter was going to go with, but unfortunately, that came in third. Well, First place was, I like them. Of course, we both gave our... Our opinions yeah. on them earlier in the show. I do like them. I think you also said that you like them as well. Yes, I do like them. So, 41% of our following agrees with us. They said they like them. Coming in second places could have been better, which is understandable. They That had 29% of the votes. Their meh got 23% of the votes. So, a respectable showing for their meh. And I hate them was at 7%. So, probably 2 to 3, maybe 4 votes for I hate them. So, it's good to know that... Although Penn's Twitter is divided, at least our following doesn't necessarily hate them all that much. I it's divided, and I went on the rant. If this had if this would have dropped last year, we'd be having a completely different discussion because the 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 cross wording that the diagonal wording is all anyone wanted from about 2015 to <laughs> was last year 2019. <laughs> We're almost I in know 2020 has been long, but we're almost in 2021, man. Just think about some of the things that happened in January and February this year that you wouldn't believe that was this year. Remember yeah, when we pre, were going to go to war with Iran? You remember I'm sorry, that? What was that? So do you remember when we were going to go to war with Iran? Oh, remember geez, that? Yeah, I that completely was, forgot about that. That was this yeah. year. That got forgotten about. Remember pre-COVID? Yeah, the last thing I did was celebrate I my don't. birthday. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that worked out timing well for you, Just but uh, time. that's about the only thing that it worked out for. Yeah. But let's move on to our shout-outs and call-out segment, shall we? Of course. Shout-outs and call-outs brought to you, as always, by CoolHockey.com. Visit CoolHockey.com slash THPN. Use promo code THPN for your new favorite hockey jersey. 30% off there. Horwat, let's start with shout-outs this week. What do you got? Uh, I'm shouting out. I don't know exactly who to shout out for, but it's uh, Crave TV and Letterkenny coming back for a season nine, the long-awaited season nine, uh, dropping on Christmas Day. I don't know if it's going to be on Hulu immediately, and that's where I watch it, but I saw the preview for it. Um, because Letterkenny is very short, it's like eight episodes usually, something about that. Um, I think they usually put out two seasons a year, but this year you can't do that. I know they had to cancel some tour that they were doing whenever this all started. But, uh, hey, Season nine's coming out Christmas Day. I am fully excited for it. I will finish it in probably a day and a half, straight up, because it's going to be short and sweet like it always is. But if you have not watched Letterkenny, do yourself a favor. Take take a week. It'll take you a week, because the seasons aren't super long. Uh, take your time. You can watch it in a week. Not like many of us are doing anything now anyway. Um, that should have been on your list to watch during this lockdown, and it's a phenomenal show, and I'm excited for the new season. It's going to be great. It is That is kind of a hockey shout-out, too. Yeah, it does toe the line of hockey there, and unfortunately, I can never get into Letterkenny. <sighs> I don't know why. I've Listen, I watched the first, I believe, season and a half or maybe two full seasons, and it just it doesn't keep my interest for some reason. I'm sorry, Horwood. I know, I know that's your baby. Perfectly but. okay. I mean... 
for a lot of hockey fans, I feel like just the first opening scene will draw you in immediately. It's it's just two hockey players and two rednecks just well, mostly the rednecks <laughs> just chirping the hockey players the entire 4 minutes that intro is and it's incredible stuff. Um that's I've seen all the like I've seen all of the the memes and I saw of course that video. That video I saw before I even knew what show it was yep. from. And that is great and it's it's fantastic but just for some reason, I always lose interest. Maybe I'll try again. I have a, a couple more weeks till I start my new job. So maybe I'll try again and, and update you guys on my progress here. But and have you seen uh, friend of the network Terry Ryan in it? I remember I saw... Yeah, I did. And I texted you and I said, wait, Terry Ryan's in Letterkenny? Yes. What? And, and and you were like, yeah, yeah, he is. It's a little bit later, but uh, he's definitely in there. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But uh, it's, definitely it's not check in- out... He's not in long, but he gets some good chirps in as well. It's what the whole show is based on, and it's a... It's a Terry always gets his chirps in. It's there. a fun little scene. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. I just listened to an interview with one of the stars of the show, Dylan Playfair, on Spit and Chicklets, and he said Paul Bissonette was supposed to be the original hockey coach in the show. Oh, Jesus. That would so, have been great. <laughs> yeah, and that would have been phenomenal. But the coach they got was amazing. Um uh, yeah, the coach they got, I'm pretty sure... No, I'm thinking of a different... I'm thinking of a movie. I'm thinking of Goon. Sorry, because ah. the coach they got in Goon also was in Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy, and Anarchy I love yeah. that. I love that actor. Um, as far as I know, I don't know too many other things that any of the other actors are in. I know Dylan Playfair mm. was in The Descendants. I can thank Megan for always telling me that. <laughs> uh, but I don't know too many, of the other, too many of the other actors in anything else. I know one of the actors is a stand-up comedian. I know that. Yeah. But um, check out Letterkenny. Uh, Brad Pitt approves of it. There's a there was a video of him at some award show. Um, it's just the Cana- It's like this Canadian uh, red carpet analyst uh, stopping Brad Pitt, asking, "How do you feel about your ten nominations?" He says, "Whatever." He but he stops and says, "You should be uh, not worried, but something, something, something about your show, Letterkenny." I don't remember the whole thing. Find the clip. It's funny. It's great. <laughs> you, you heard Letter Kenny, and that's the only thing that's, you needed to hear. That's the only thing the analysts heard, too. He turned around and said, he likes Letter Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> he lost his mind. It's a great video. Um, I think Chicklets tweeted it out, too. But uh, enough of me gushing over Letter Kenny. What's your shout-out? <laughs> I mean, before we get to that, I'm sure Paul Bissonette would have had the part, but you have to read for it, so that's probably a reason. I think that's kind of it. that's part of what he said, and he had just started with the Coyotes at the time, and it's not a very uh. family-friendly show. <laughs> Uh, not necessarily, no, but, uh, my shout out as, as we move on here from Letter Kenny just goes to something else that will be coming out on Christmas Day. My shout out goes to Warner Brothers and DC Comics, who will be releasing Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas Day. Now, they're releasing it both in theaters and then also streaming live on HBO Max. So, shout out to them for finding a way to release a movie during COVID time to make it comfortable for people who aren't quite yet comfortable going out to the theaters. Yeah, I did say about a month or two ago, I did go out to the theaters. I watched Tenet from Christopher Nolan in a movie theater at an AMC. Of course, they did do the the COVID social distancing. Now, with the way that COVID has progressed, you're going to see more movies pulling out because they only want to do it in theaters. That's the the only way they want to release their movie. That's the only way they're going to make money. Well... Wonder Woman 1984 going to be on HBO Max, so shout out to Warner Brothers and DC Comics for being able to do that. And in a year where movie lovers have really had ample time to rewatch films and rewatch all the all-time greats, it's exciting to actually have a new movie 
that's getting released and something to look forward to in a new movie that is coming out. Horwat, have you seen the first Wonder Woman? I know you're not a massive superhero fan. We've kind of gone over that multiple times on this show, yeah. but have you seen at least the first Wonder Woman? No. How many? I mean, I'm going to say it every time we discuss superheroes. The only superhero movie I have seen was the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. <laughs> and then I did watch the Deadpools, but those aren't really superhero movies. Yes, they are. All right. Well, then I've seen three. But there I, you go. But I okay. don't remember the second Deadpool, actually. So I've seen like two and a half. Well, I guess I can just ignore horror on this facet, but everybody else, if you haven't seen it yet, go check out Wonder Woman, the original Wonder Woman, of course. Gal Gadot is very, very good in these, and Chris Pine, excuse me, wow. Chris Pine is also extremely good in that first movie. Check out that first one, and then on Christmas Day, check out Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max. That's, that's pretty good. They should hire us, or at least like pay us for some advertising after all of that, Horwath. Uh, when you said AMC, I almost butted in and said, not a sponsor, but it's okay. Yeah, well, no forgets. Horowat, let's get into our call-outs. What, what is your first call-out? Uh, or your call-out? I call keep saying out, yeah. first. This is two weeks in a row that I've said your first call-out. I feel like, I, for some reason, I guess I think that you have a lot of axes to grind. Should I what is your call-out? Should I stop saying I have a list of call-outs and I'm just picking from there? <laughs> hey. Um, but uh, this one's a new one, and it is something we actually already discussed earlier in the episode, but I just wanted to reiterate it and get back at it, because the New York Islanders really, really, really dropped a ball and <laughs> struck out with their, if you call it a reverse retro, it's, uh, I don't want to call it horrendous, because the jersey isn't bad in the, in the shape of, it's, it, it is a regular jersey, it's not bad. But the point of the whole thing was to make a reverse retro, was to make a retro jersey. Now, yes, you're a little bit handcuffed because you're one of the teams that has had the same jersey over the years. But at the same time, there's a certain style that we've discussed already, so I don't know why I'm like saying it's a secret. There's a certain fisherman that um, is begging to be put back on the uniform. And... They didn't do it. They didn't even go with those lighter blue with lighter orange and a lot more white colors. Um, the Islanders are a team that, even if you don't like the the Fishermen, you don't need it. There was a uniform that had the big Island logo and just had the wave on it of the Fishermen. You could have done something like that. There's another jersey that uh, was mostly orange but had, like, blue triangles under the arms that a lot of people were like if even if you didn't want the fisherman there was this that would have been better they didn't even give it the old four stripes on the shoulder from the early 2000s they didn't even do that mm -hmm. it was just a complete whiff and i mean like i said if like they even have an alternate logo if they wanted to use just the big ny logo that's what I was going to say you could have even done that you it's Be not like you had to pick the fisherman up if you really didn't want to there were so many other options and roads you could have taken. Just even if you're throwing it back four years, there would have it's been a throwback. They would have been less complaining than what there is now. The point being, the Islanders just didn't do anything there. And we mentioned it in our talks with Tom Franklin yeah. about the jerseys. There's a lot of teams that just didn't do enough. And yes, I get that some people feel the Penguins didn't do enough, but at least theirs was different. At least theirs showed something that they haven't seen in the last twenty years. And really, if you're the Islanders or the Red Wings, they showed something that you didn't see six months ago. Yep. So just you got to do something. I understand. I understand your your irritability with it. That's just me, man. It's 
I mean, some teams like the Red Wings. I don't mind the Red Wings one. Yeah, it's not done. It's just the logo and some stripes. You could have done way more. I mean, they're another one of those teams that had... They're like like the Blackhawks, where they had a bunch of stripes that they could have used, done anything else. Uh, but for what it's worth, I don't mind the Red Wings one. The one I have a real gripe with that I, that I do not think we discussed, I'd have to find it again. Mm-hmm. Um, we discussed the New York Rangers... We kind yeah. of we kind of discussed a lot of them. Looking back at it, we we we, we discussed hell. pretty much every one of them. And as the as the person who was scrolling to quickly find images of most of these, yeah, we discussed a lot of these Here, jerseys on this episode. I got one that we didn't discuss: the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay. Which wait, we don't need to take spend a long time on this because they didn't either. Yeah. Um. Yes. <sighs> yes, you brought back the old logo. It would have been fun to see the thunderstorm again, with the lightning, yeah. the big yellow lightning bolts on the sleeves, and the rain and the waves. That would have been awesome. But if you're if you're gonna put that logo back, at least bring back that old lettering. The, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but you didn't do that, and yeah, <laughs> some missed the ball entirely, uh, while others completely knocked it out of the park. As a matter of fact, I'm whenever I get it in the mail, I'll show you which one I got, or should I say, I... or should I say, Megan got me for Christmas. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you already have a reverse retro coming your way. That's one more than I have. Yep. And I there can you uh, go, buddy. thank Megan well, forever for that. I owe her something. <laughs> there you go, man. Well, we'll close it out with my call out for this week. And I had a couple, and we discussed it a little bit there. The NHL switching the, the divisions. I'm sure we'll get into that later. But also, there's a bigger axe to grind for me, and that's with the NFL. Of course, as everybody's listening to this, it is Monday of Thanksgiving week, at least American Thanksgiving week. And in a couple days, we, we're supposed to have Turkey Day, which also includes football. That's that's the American tra- tradition. It's football and dinner and, and family. But this year, family might be sacrificed in the terms of, you know, global pandemic. But I'm not going to get into all of that. But it's supposed to be football and turkey. Well, everybody can have their turkey, but nobody wants to watch most of these games on Thanksgiving Day. I mean, an absolutely awful slate of games on Thanksgiving Day. I saw a commentator on, I believe it was ESPN or NBC, say, maybe I'll take some sleeping pills with my turkey so I don't have to watch these afternoon games. They're absolutely awful. I mean, Texans-Lions, the Houston Texans have played absolutely horrendous this year. The Lions have had one of their best seasons in recent history, and they still have a losing record. And then you have the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys awful like these games are not interesting thank the lord that they finished off this slate of games with raven steelers now yes the ravens have had a rough couple of weeks but as this comes out and we're recording this before sunday's game so who we don't know what the ravens are going to do against tennessee we don't know what the steelers are going to do against jacksonville but as whenever that game happens the steelers are still going to be the number one team in the nfl and the Ravens are still going to be the second best team in the AFC North and still the team that has Lamar Jackson, who is extremely hard to beat no matter how many times he has lost in the playoffs world. We had that discussion yeah. a little while ago yeah. off air. Just because he's 0-2 in the playoffs doesn't mean it's not going to be an incredibly good game. It already was an incredibly good game a couple weeks ago in Baltimore. But as far as the rest of the day goes, there's no football on as far as I'm concerned. The Texans and Lions horrible horrible game the washington football team and the cowboys another horrible game and i get that the tradition is to have the lions and the cowboys each get to play a home game on thanksgiving and far be it for me 
to change a tradition that is older than I am. But how about considering how awfully both of these teams are run? If you want to make Thanksgiving interesting, before those were the only two games. And then guess what? Those teams suck so bad, they started adding the third game. So instead of sacrificing both the 1 o'clock and the 425 start on Thanksgiving Day, why don't you just have them play each other every year and rotate who's at home? So that was going to be my rebuttal to you, is it kind of hurts that it's tradition that the Lions and Cowboys have those have those games, and they both just so happen to be awful in recent memory. Recent memory? I mean, the, the Lions haven't been good since Barry Sanders. That's what I was going to say. I mean, those games were probably entertaining whenever the tradition really kind of got going with Barry Sanders, Troy Aikman, like, on on their respective teams. Yeah, Emmett Smith. And Emmett, that whole Dallas Cowboys team at one point. That, mm-hmm. Then it was probably entertaining. But it hurts that they're both bad now. 0-16 speaks for itself a couple seasons ago with oh. the Lions. This season alone speaks for itself with the Cowboys and that whole division, which, by the way, they're playing a division rival, to be fair. Those games are fun to watch because of how bad they, they are. they Yep. <laughs> so that one at least might be, there might be some entertainment there. But with the other one you're watching, you said the Texans? The Texans and the Lions. The Texans and the Lions, man. Listen, the Lions have not been good for quite a few years now. Uh, Houston? Uh, hey, that may have been a hell of a game to watch if you would have told us last season. Right? Houston was supposed I mean, to be a juggernaut. And now... Yeah, Houston would have still steamrolled them. At least it's entertaining football. I guess. Because Matthew Stafford somehow, some way does things every now and again. Yeah, and that's what we're going to have to put up with on Thanksgiving around 1 o'clock is everybody saying, well, the Lions are better this year. They're still not great, but guess what? Matthew Stafford on Thanksgiving Day oh. in his career, like the the music and the playing, and they're saying, Matthew Stafford. Great on Thanksgiving. No, he. It, it's just the fact that you have to play it up so people actually tune into your freaking football game. It. It's just we need to. Tradition is tradition. I get that, but have the Lions play the Cowboys that way. They only suck up one of one of your viewing times. I also wish I remembered where the traditions came from for those two teams. The 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 Lions one I know is because they're old and they kind of always did it. Mm-hmm. I want to know where the Cowboys one came from. I just feel they're like, they're quote unquote America's team. That was supposed to be the Steelers title. It is the Steelers' title. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of Cowboys fans, but that team was good for a decade. I there's a, sp- a single decade. Take the '90s away from the Cowboys, and they're an awful organization. They're down there with the Lions. There's a there's an article on it on the fan. It was it's from a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I forget who wrote it. I would absolutely tell say who it was because I work with them for one. But <laughs> it, that the America's team title. I don't know if it's like an official thing or whatever it was. I didn't read the article. I should have, but I read the headline and had to keep working. But that title was supposed to be given to the Steelers whenever they decided to start using it. But the Roonies turned it down for obvious reasons. And they decided to just give it to the Cowboys or they took it or whatever. Um, And I feel like that's kind of how the tradition of them on Thanksgiving started. The Cowboys just said, we'll do it. Yeah, wow. I'm so surprised that a team that is now owned by Jerry Jones has the absolute, undeniably massive ego to be like, yeah, we're America's team. You just locked yourself into if you suck, people are going to make fun of you endlessly for your America's team moniker. And good on the Roonies for turning that down. I would, listen, 
we all know who America's team truly is. We don't need to put a label on it. Yeah, but it's the go ahead, Dallas. <laughs> they, it was the Patriots. All right, well, with, with that, that is going to be it for the tip of the iceberg. No, I'm just kidding. Before we leave, Horwat, do you have any Thanksgiving plans? Uh, me and Megan are going up to Erie for the day, and then uh, we're just coming back down here. The The Christmas tree is up in my house, and I had to politely decline the invitation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not going to like the fact that I'm putting my Christmas decorations up this weekend. Oh, me, well. and, me and Megan got a tree, and because she is getting me a reverse retro jersey, I said, that's fine, we can put the tree up now. Oh, so it can go underneath the tree, or are you going to open it before? Uh, we haven't had that discussion yet. We, I mean, I don't know when it's going to be here yet, so... We'll see. There you go, man. Have a happy Thanksgiving to you, Horwat. Thank you, you and have a happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there listening. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.